0: Today I'm Darren O'Enke. I'm Simon West. Welcome to the Aussie Wine Chat Podcast Series where we talk global distribution and sales with an Aussie perspective.
1: And an Aussie accent. Welcome to a week Aussie Wine Chat. Everyone, we're running a slightly different um, format today um, for the video and we'll see how this works out. Uh, we'll be uh, by the end of the week we will have our videos online. Um, so that's something to look out for. And uh, welcome to Aussie Wine Chat for June 1, 2020. And Paddy's, G'day Paddy, how are you? So, (laughs) Paddy, we're doing something a bit different today. I'm just going to stop your video um, and we'll um, have you on voice only, okay? You're on mute
0: currently, Paddy.
1: I hope he didn't mind that, because I've sent him to um, voice only. So Simon, do you want to do um, the intro today? And, sure. um Yeah. So
0: what we'll do uh, is, we'll do the same format as before where Darren will have a quick chat about a few of the <laughs> last week. Um, we'll also, um, we're, we're very happy to have Simon Rowe on board today. Simon is the General Manager of Sip and Save, or the, the Liquor Marketing Group. Uh, in South Australia, uh, which have over 100 outlets, and um, Simon's uh, got a lot of experience in the industry, and we're keen to hear some of Simon's COVID and post-COVID predictions, potentially, um, with uh, just some thoughts on what the category is doing in particular uh, in retail, um, and touch on a little bit on their online uh, piece as well. So uh, we'll go into um, Simon after we've had a little bit of a chat, Darren. Then we'll open it up and people can ask questions uh, as per normal and we'll try and keep this to 40 minutes once again. Um, So, Darren, um, do you want to just fire off with a couple of your observations from from the last week and then I'll I'll
1: give mine? Well, look, my my big one's about tourism um, this week. I think it's been a big week for everybody with tourism reopening um, in a number of states, although not all states necessarily. Cellar doors are reopening, um, and the thing that the thing that strikes me about cellar doors reopening is that they're reopening into really what is a changed environment. Uh, First of all, they won't be able to fit as many people. Um, There will be varying restrictions on whether um, bars can and can't be open, whether food must or must not be served. But the thing that um, strikes me the most is that I think that the model of getting people to sell a doors and then using that attendance at a cellar door to get people onto a club list is probably a broken approach to clubs. And I actually think the approach has been broken for a while of building your online relationships by converting people that do physical visitation. And with with COVID, what we will have seen is a change to um, people, actually online experiences being a key part of their first experience. So that now what we're going to have is we're going to have some sort of building a following and building engagement and that following driving online sales, um, driving membership of clubs and driving visits instead of driving visits and then driving people a lifetime value, uh, we're probably going to need to focus a lot more on lifetime value uh, via our virtual and online relationships rather than relying on physical visits to build those. Um, And certainly for the short term, uh, that's going to be really critical. So virtual events are huge. There's a um, Wide Communicators Australia has their virtual event uh, webinar at, uh, I think, I can't see my diary at the moment, but I think about 12 or 12.30 today. There's whole new platforms emerging in this space, as we discussed last week, and I think it's I think it's time for us to really rethink where our club fits in terms of our lifetime value and what drives people to create lifetime value uh, from the tourism and direct to consumer perspective. So there you go. Excellent. Um- Look,
0: I, I was having a look on Wine Business News and um, was looking at particularly in the US and looking at their online and what's going on over there. Wine.com is one of the biggest online retailers over there and um, their financial year to date till the end of March, uh, their turnover was $150 million. Um, they In the last two weeks of March, they turned over $15 million. So 10% of their total revenue was generated in the last two weeks of March. So it's quite phenomenal. Um, I actually see it as a good thing because I think online in the US in particular has always been undercooked because of the complications of the whole three-tier model. So I think it's going to accelerate a lot of that business, that side of the business, and um, and can only only help us as as wineries when we're exporting to the US as well and using that model.
1: Well, if we can get ourselves set up uh, in the online rules there, which is... Not trivial, but not as hard as what a lot of people might think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the other one was WineX. <coughs> they, they they operate out of the Napa, and I think from what I can see, they do. I haven't dealt with them before. They do a lot of um, higher end product, but they're claiming that wines of fifty dollars retail have, been, have doubled recently in uh, volume, volume sales. And um, they're also claiming they're having big gains in wines, $300 or more. So they have said they, they acknowledge the fact that a lot of these cheaper wines are, um, you know, the, 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 or the cheaper sort of category is increasing quite dramatically, but there also has been an increase in those higher-end wines, which is interesting, I find interesting. Now they may be saying that because that's their business and they want to make sure they, they push that cart, but um, uh, it's an interesting uh, observation there as well. Just to um, just to finish off, there's a couple of grants that uh, if you're a New South Wales producer, there's a couple of grants that are, have opened up with the New South Wales government. One is the repair and replanting grant, which is um, if you have a look into it, it's, it's twenty thousand dollars per burnt he- hectare that you can, and it's a matched grant that you can have access to. The other one is the recovery grant, which is ten thousand dollars per winery. And then in South Australia, we've got our e-commerce accelerator program. Uh, called ECAP, it's $10,000 per winery and it assists with your e-commerce endeavours Um, and you have to have a product that is exportable. Um, That closes tomorrow at the end of the day, so if you do want to get onto it, get onto it now. But um, that's not a matched grant, that is just a a flat $10,000 to to increase your your e-commerce, I guess, approach.
1: Yeah. So, look. Um, oh, just, with- just on that SA one, uh, that is not a difficult grant. So, if, you, if you're if you here now and you haven't seen it, uh, get onto it and uh, get an application in.
0: So, we might move on to Simon, if that's okay. Yeah. So, you're going to introduce Thank you Simon? Again for joining us today. It's always good to hear from retailers from a retailer perspective, I guess. Particularly, as, as you discussed earlier, it's
1: just what it's the unknown, you know. What is, what uh, hang, is hang on, uh, hang on, we better introduce Simon. Uh, we did, I did earlier. Oh, okay, um. I did. Is that right, Simon? Yes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, somebody better go back to bed and wake up today, I think. That's all right, you're yeah. playing around with the camera. Uh, okay,
0: no, so we're well, just in case anyone did miss it because there's a few that have joined us. Simon Rowe, general manager of Sip and Save, the liquor marketing group. Um, so you've got over 100 outlets across the state of South Australia. Yep. And um, yeah, and I think it's fair to say that not only is there is there retail shops, but you also have pubs and clubs and pokies and everything else that goes with it as part of the lick Marketing Group. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, we control more, I guess we, we work more with hotels in their um, off-premise space. But, you know, one thing that probably the, the COVID is... The, the massive impact, obviously the on-premise as well, um, the amount of wine in particular that goes through um, those, um, you know, particularly some of our key venues, that's significant volume.
0: Okay, so that's really interesting because we've had in the in the past few weeks, we've had a lot of wineries on this chat that are, have been specifically geared to on-premise and of course this whole COVID thing has really hurt them um, because everything's stopped dead. And they've had to realign their strategy, I guess, um, to, to try and keep things ticking along. So um, that's um, Simon. That's a that's a um, interest to a lot of people that listen to us here. Um, along with your bricks and mortar retail, and also your um, your delivery service. I guess you've got two options there. You've got either deliver to home, or you've got your click and collect service, which you said earlier was a, was a lot less than um, your delivery versus your delivery. But um, yeah, really keen to just, I I guess, hear you talk about the category, what you're seeing in off-premise and what you're seeing, I I know what you're seeing on-premise, but um, more on-premise of moving forward, what does that mean? I think I highlighted to you that I'm I'm seeing a lot of -of out-of-stocks for the obvious reasons. Um, And that's not just in the liquor sector, that's that's right across the board. People have um, run down their stocks. So as we open back up again, um, how's that going to look? Um, how is it going to look for um, for off premise? And um, and I guess uh, without giving too too many of your secrets away, what are you guys doing as far as looking at your um, your online sector as well? Yeah, well I guess you know the trends that we've seen.
2: Um, you know, as I said, probably when I was talking to you, there's, they're changing a lot, right? And so. Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of people have probably made some harsh reactions. So we had some of our competitors change from two-week promotions to four-week promotions to reduce the um, the overall numbers. We had some that were removing them altogether. Um, as a business, um, uh, you know, we we sort of maintained our philosophy to, to keep having an everyday offer for consumers, and I think that's been important. So um, some of the trends that have really happened, sparkling has had a definitely had a decrease over the um, the period. Um, consumers. that weren't able to go out, didn't really want to open a bottle of sparkling um, and sit there and drink it by themselves. So um, we had a lot of retailers trying to fast track the 200 mils as best they could. Um, And then something that's probably bucked the trend, um, a lot of consumers are really looking for something that's new, something that they can discover um, when COVID hit that really shifted people back to what they knew. And um, the, the sales were definitely more on brands that people knew and trusted, as opposed to being um, experimental. From a price point, definitely, the, there was an increase in significant increase in cask wine sales um, and <coughs> wines under $10. But the 15 to $20 wines still had a little bit of growth. That was quite good. And it was the over $20 that suffered, uh, suffered in the sales volume. So, um, some outlets in outlying areas like around the, the um, CBD or in higher socioeconomic areas did okay. So as consumers didn't go out and um, spend the money on um, dining, they spent that money on some better wines. But that's really isolated into smaller cases rather than a broad state appeal. Yeah. Interesting. So, with regards to those sorts of trends, it, it it seems to be getting back a little bit more on track now. There's no doubt the last two weeks sales out of warehouses has been significant. Outlets are starting to stock up and get ready for on-premise. Um, there's no doubt that outlets work. Um, particularly initially really concerned on how much stock levels they had because if um, it had gone to a stage where they were going to be shut down completely, they didn't want all the stock they had to pay for and were unable to move. So now that um, there's a little bit more stability in um, in their opening, they're definitely starting to focus on restocking those shelves a little bit more. For, um, for um, a lot of suppliers, you know, not being able to be out there in front of members has definitely been an issue. And so a lot of people have worked hard to get distribution levels up or get their products in the, the premium placements in bridges and not being there with those venues, that's um, enabling, you know, venues to pick and choose a little bit more what they wanted or if um, if a product is sold out, they
0: may not have been replenishing at the same rate as what they were previous. Mm. Uh, yeah. So what, do you, what, do, what sort of advice do you give to wineries as far as um, retail, your, your retail outlets in particular and on-premise, are they, are they just flat out trying to keep shelf stocked, they don't want to see suppliers at the moment, or do they want to see suppliers, do they want support, what sort of things are they looking for as far as support goes? Yeah, at, at the moment I would say most
2: people that we speak to don't particularly want to see too many people at the moment, but that will be somewhat short-lived definitely right now they're focused on getting their restaurants back up and running um a lot of venues i was in a number of venues last week and a lot of venues were very frantically um cleaning getting organized um redoing wine lists redoing uh their menus and so that's where their focus is at the moment but certainly as time goes on um outlets will be a little bit more open to um being engaged with wineries what i would say is that it, it will it, it will take a little bit of time to get back to the new normality um the new normality will come um, and people will get used to that there's no doubt in south australia that the trend for Local wines has never been better. Um, the fires in Flinders Island and Adelaide Hills earlier in the year really solidified that even further with consumers. So there's great opportunities for local winemakers um, to go out and get new things out there. Consumers have never wanted so much choice. Um, they're always looking for something different, um, different styles, um, or different
0: um, different varietals. So that's a sort really of positive interesting because uh, if we look on the eastern states with victoria and new south wales for example um i think you know they've been obviously hit by hit by the fires too and um you would have to think that consumer loyalty would be big over there as well um just for, for people nationally watching us as well but um i think it's a really yeah. good make because i i know myself personally that um a lot of the friends and family i see are, are very loyal to their particular area they live in um, sort of i guess um, supporting those
1: wineries oh i will add um, that there's trends towards that in export markets as well. So in the US, there's been a trend back towards loyalty to um, both local and national um, manufacturers or winemakers. So yeah, I, think, I think we'll find that in any country that is a wine producer, there'll be a trend back towards loyalty to local production.
0: Just sorry, from a retailer point of view, so if, if you're a, a winery and you want to capitalise on that, what can you do? We we'll use South Australia as an example. What can you do as far as promoting? You are an SA brand, and um, and telling and telling the consumer that. How can we work with a retailer on that? I mean, the, the, the
2: important thing is obviously with you know labels, just to make sure that it's really clear what region you're from. So if, if you are an unknown, um, if you're an unknown winery or you're an emerging winery, um, the the um, the um, the geographic region is is critical on a wine because that calls it out so once you get once you get used to a wine and you know the wine brand you know it's more important for the for the actual naming but um yeah making sure that it's really really clear on the label that you're from adelaide hills or you're from um you know you're from great western victoria anywhere just make sure that that audience that you're after it's really clear to those people that um that where you're from just working with the local outlets it's it's often a good thing to spend a little bit of time um at a venue trying to understand if if you understand where the trends are and where things are growing there's always more opportunities for us as a business um if someone comes in and wants to present a Barossa Shiraz um
1: the the number of Barossa Shiraz in front of it is significant okay so um it
2: doesn't mean that um that we won't look at it but there's obviously a large much larger number of um Products that we have available, um, going into an outlet and looking for more emerging categories. So whether it's Grenache or whether it's GSM or Pinot Noir or Pinot Gris or Rosé, for us they're the categories where if someone comes to us with more of those products, we need more in our program. Sometimes it's it's a bit easier to focus on those ones initially, and so once you get a bit of traction with those ones, or you find an in to an outlet, you can then work on your other brands um, while you're there afterwards.
1: Okay. Simon, if I may. Um... You know, if I'm a New South Wales winery that doesn't have my region on it, uh, but I'm expecting I'm selling into, say, New South Wales um, outlets, would, you know, from the point of view of um, Sip and Save, if I'm producing shelf talkers or neck tags or some um, stickers or something on the bottle, do those kinds of things help um, people pick those wines up and do they notice them more? or Do you see value in them? Third party
2: endorsements are significantly impactful. so you know many many instances of um, great results where whether it's got a, a trophy and a award, or James Halliday write up some sort of third-party endorsement that people find credible, there's no doubt that those things are significantly helpful. What you're looking for is you're just looking for something to break down the um, the consumer's sort of vulnerability. So if, if I'm a consumer and um, there's a gold medal on it and I take it to a to a party, um, I have a little bit more confidence in that because someone can potentially say, "Why don't like that wine?" gives me a little bit more surety. Well, you know, I've made this choice and somebody's like, So it just helps those consumers who are still emerging. Uh, now, um, with regards to sort of to areas, but, you know, Australia is such a big a big country and, you know, trends are so different. And, you know, there are some really parochial states like South Australia and WA, but Queensland doesn't have a real strong internal wine industry in its own state. So They'll buy across, they'll buy across anything. You know, New South Wales is is, is pretty similar. Um, Victoria, slightly to a lesser extent, but um, it, it is, um, it is worthwhile, you know, just knowing those different trends and trying to target different things. Because lots of times there's a product which will work really, really well in one state, and it may take a little bit longer to work that effectively in another state. Um, can, I,
1: can I just switch before we, before we open the lines, um, Your online program uh, since the beginning of COVID, um, wouldn't mind just knowing uh, what's changed in that and also uh, just some hints of how people might get involved in your online program um, and how to support that.
2: Um, yes, yeah, so our online program um, is a key focus for the, the, the marketing group um, nationally. Uh, it, it was launched about 16 months ago, but really, um, it's only really got significant traction probably since February this year. Um, we've got 31 outlets in South Australia currently on, and I think there's 160 nationwide with BottleMart outlets around the, um, the other the other states. The Ever since obviously COVID hit, the, um, the amount of demand for deliveries and click and collect has significantly increased, so much so that um, out of the the last 10 months, I just had a look at some data, um, we've done 70% of the volume in the last three months so those, um, of the 10-month period. So uh, it is significantly increased more. Uh, one of the things that's really important for us as a business is to have different products on there not just stock standard ones and so our system's really effective that it's actually tailored to what outlets have and it's their individual range it's not just soap so broad, or range. so and any outlet that has any particular wine can get can get put on the online platform so what i would say is, is a suggestion for um for wineries is to so, just make sure that products, having barcodes on products is definitely something that's important moving forward because a lot of the online platforms use the barcode as a recognition for a product. So that's important to try to have that information. Um, And then it's just making sure that you've got um, product photos um, available of your images. So supplying it to your local venues or, you know, supplying to us as a head office level. And then what we will do is we'll fast track sort of getting those images up. So um, what we ideally want is for any of our outlets to have every single product that they
0: range available online. Good, excellent. that, that, that's really, it's really interesting. And um, what about um, Simon? What about you? From you know, what are you seeing as far as the the future of the category category goes for you? What's what's on your radar at the moment, moving forward post COVID as well? You know, what varietals? You, you obviously said sparklings were down, but what about other categories as we move towards the you know, the, as things warm up out of winter? You know, is it going to be rosés? Is it going to be you know, what is it? Yes, so still for um,
2: rose and um, Pinot Gris are the two, I guess the two, you know, light and refreshing sort of styles that are gaining the most traction. Um, Riesling from a South Australian point view is strong, but uh, Pinot Gris and Rose or Pinot Grigio around the country is the um you know an area where there's big opportunities for um, for more sales. So Sévignon Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc's declining a little bit. Um whether you're in WA and you're going to be drinking more SSB than New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, or you're in South Australia and you're going to drink more elevators than New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. In um, fact, consumers have had Sauvignon Blanc for a large number of years, and that's still the most important you know, white wine varietal, but there's no doubt that you can see significant traction going to Pinot Gris and Rosé, so just having some options in, the, in that space, I think is really, really important. Uh, for us as a business, trying to um, trying to lift that price point in the outlets and get outlets to stock across a wider range of products, that's really a focus for us. So um, we do a lot of work. We have our um, we have our own internal premium wine program, and that's done around Australia for LMG. And that's really focused on trying to get more of those obscure varietals or those lesser known bridles into our stores in a faster capacity. But also then looking at trading people up. So if someone's had a good day and they normally buy twenty dollars shiraz. If you've got a good offer at 25 or $30, maybe, maybe they, they branch out and they try that. So um, making sure that we've got something on a consistent um, consistent sort of promotional price point at any sort of price period, that's really important for us.
0: All right. So if you did go with one of the more obscure varieties, and um, and let's once again, we'll talk South Australia, so you have an Adelaide Hills, um, whatever it is. Um, how, how do you go about educating your store staff for that? And how can the winery help with that too? Yeah, there's a couple of things that that we do eat
2: with them. One of the key things with our, with our premium programs is we um, we try to do um, provide outlets with a little bit more point of sale. So we'll try to provide them with point of sale that has a little bit more information on there. So it might just be a few different words about the sort of flavor profile or the, the type of food that it goes with. But giving somebody who's looking and um, perhaps interested in trying something different at the point of purchase, giving them some more information, um, but then trying to work with the outlets to get them, I guess, as educated as best they can with regards to the um, to the wine. So yeah, look, it's not an easy process at times to um to work through that with everyone. Um, you know, trying to work with wineries. If, if wineries um, are able to you know, hold tastings or at least provide as much information as they can. To, um, to people that are working in bottle shops. That is definitely effective because a lot of the time the people working in the shops don't necessarily you know, they haven't tried the vast majority of wines. And when people ask for a recommendation, if they've tried your wine and they're aware of it, um, you know, it's only natural that they're going to go. Well, you know, what, on the weekend um, I tried this wine, or last week I tried this wine, and this is what I thought of it. You're, you're naturally going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more responsive, and a little bit more um, focused on that product, and that's a real
1: opportunity. Fantastic. Now, that's a really nice tie into last week's conversation, and I think Simon West. So I'm not getting my Simon's confused. Uh, perhaps we should um, go to open up to questions. Now now we've done something a little bit different today uh, from the point of view of videoing is that I've muted everybody's video as we go. Um, I haven't spoken to Simon West about this, but what I think we'll do today is actually stop recording now, and then we can have a freewheeling conversation uh, between those that are here. And as we move forward, um, we'll have a recorded component that we put out on the media that we're building at the moment, (laughs) hopefully by the end of the week. Um, And then uh, for those that attend live, a freewheeling conversation becomes uh, the treat for coming along live. So... You guys comfortable with that? All right, I'll, I'll stop recording. Uh, thanks for joining us again for Aussie Wine Chat. I'm Darren Oemke. You can find me on hydraconsulting.com.au and on Twitter at Darren Oemke.
0: And I'm Simon West. You can find me at fullglass.com.au.